0: listening to Open Mic Friday on Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker on this February the 26th in the year of our Lord 2021. We're unable to take phone calls. We're not in the studio yet, but you can email me. And we're going to take a look at an email that really interests me. Uh, It may take the whole broadcast to explain it, but it's a really good question and has a lot to do with parables. Dear Pastor Baker, may I ask you to explain to me the meaning of Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Now, that's a parable called the Parable of the Talents. And it's about a man who goes away for a while and leaves money for his servants to work in the marketplace. And when he gets back, some of the servants have doubled what they were given, one buried it, and he really praises the ones who doubled their money and the one who buried it, well, he is lost forever. So that's kind of the parable, and here's what the writer asks. Am I correct to understand when Christ returns, he will judge Christians by what we have done with our money? And if we have found to have not invested our money wisely by properly tithing, are we to lose our salvation? And he quotes verse 30 in the parable. And that verse 30 says, And cast the worthless servant into the utter darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I'm reading this email, and I get to that point, and I'm saying to myself, where would he have gotten this idea that how you deal with your money is going to decide what happens when you die? Well, he explains it. My pastor used this passage as a text for his sermon today, and he also referenced the passage where Christ speaks of laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. He then told a story about a man going to heaven who was disappointed about how little reward he has as compared to others in heaven. For example, in heaven he lived in a bungalow while others lived in mansions. Does this mean that there will be envy and disappointment in heaven? I listened to Law and Gospel, and I've tried to look at this Matthew 25 passage with common sense and then reverse it, but I still can't seem to find the right law and gospel answer. I know you are extremely busy. Any insight you could offer or reference materials you might recommend would be greatly appreciated. And then the email writer signs his name. See, this is why. When, let's say, you move to another city for another job, one of the most important things to do is to find out where you're going to live. And my suggestion is first find out where there is a church that properly preaches the Word of God and administers the sacrament. For a pastor to say that you're going to heaven and you'll have the greatest mansion depending on how you use your money here on earth, is totally contrary to the Christian faith. And yet, that's the application that this pastor made. Remember, I I keep talking about a distinction between interpretation and application. The interpretation is, what does the text say? The application is, How does it relate to you, particularly in regard to your salvation? Uh, For example, I'll just use a quick one. The passage about the lost sheep, there it's clear that a shepherd goes out, finds the lost sheep, and takes it home. Now, the interpretation is not difficult. It's a lost sheep. The shepherd finds it puts it on his shoulders, carries it home. And yet I've heard applications of that proper interpretation to mean that you as a Christian need to go out and do mission work and bring the lost home. Well, that application is totally wrong because the lost sheep is not about us, doing the work of mission, it's very clear that the shepherd is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And he finds you when you were a lost sheep. In fact, we're all born being lost because of original sin. And he comes to you and puts you on his shoulders. That's referring to the Hebrews passage where it says, that he carried our sins to the cross on his shoulders. He died for them. And so the lost sheep is not about my mission to the world, but about how I was justified by Christ because he found me and saved me. So the interpretation of the parable of the talents is pretty good part of the problem is the word talent a lot of people when they think of talents and i've heard this said in stewardship that we're talking not just about the gifts god has given you but the talents of money and therefore i can understand how a pastor not involved in law and gospel would give the impression that when you get to heaven, you may not be happy with where you're going to live because others have better living conditions. And the question, therefore, is, boy, are we going to be envious when we get to heaven? Obviously not, because you are going to be in bliss. Then how do we understand this parable? Well, you have to reverse what it appears to be saying. So kind of let's go through it. It's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So the servants would go into the marketplace and indicate that these were talents from the owner and would do business and would earn a profit. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground, and hid his master's money. So, you've got these three individuals. Well, first of all, how can you say that the more that you do with your money, the greater will be your home in heaven? Because, remember, even the two that made a profit, one was given more than twice as much in order to deal with it than the other. Why would he receive a greater gift in heaven than the one who had not been given as many talents? So, we'll talk about that in a moment. Now, after doing that, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settle accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So it certainly does appear by reading this verse that the one who made five extra talents is being rewarded with entering into the joy of the master. He also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you deliver to me two talents Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, it seems like he also gets rewarded by how he used the money he had been given to him. Is that the proper interpretation or application? Well, we get it clear when the one who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You know that I reap where I am not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I could have received what was my own with interest, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents; for to every one who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's the parable. How do we understand it from a law and gospel perspective? For a pastor to say that when you go to heaven, it will depend on your tithing, because that's what the email writer said, the pastor had preached. And if you keep your tithing up, you'll have a greater place in heaven. Uh, The reason that cannot be true is because tithing is part of the ceremonial law of the Old Testament. It's not a moral law. When I was a pastor, it didn't matter to me what percentage of money people had given to the church because what counted was their attitude We had a number of people on welfare, and sometimes they could give maybe 3 or $4 a week to church. That was a real sacrifice on their part. I had one individual who was well off who gave $500 a week. Now, am I going to say that the $500 person is going to have a mansion in heaven, whereas Those on welfare are going to be in bungalows or small houses. No, this is ridiculous. We're all going to be in bliss. But then how do you understand this parable? Part of the problem is the English. When the master says to those who doubled the money, well done, good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Now, in the original Greek, there's no word that can be translated as done. The master says, well, good and faithful servant. And what people really look to in the English is that, The servant has been good in dealing with the money properly. But the master says, good and faithful. And in the next phrase, he says, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. This parable, one very much like it, is also found in the Bible where the master goes away in order to get a signal from the Roman government that he would be in charge of that area where he lives, like Pontius Pilate would have been acclaimed by the Roman government to be governor at that time. Well, just before Jesus was born a few years a man was assassinated because the people did not want him to be their leader and so there was no guarantee that when a person would go to rome to get his office that he would ever return now this man did return what is it about the one who buried the money he buried it because his mind was thinking this way. If the master returns, I've got the money and I can return it to him. But if he doesn't return, guess what? Nobody's going to know the wiser and that money will be mine. In fact, it's very clear that the two servants who doubled the money were those who were faithful in working on behalf of, of the owner whom people hated. And so, therefore, when they went into the marketplace, they were really taking their lives in their own hands because they were working for an individual that people hated. Therefore, it's important to understand that in Christianity, nobody goes to heaven because of the good they've done, or the good use of their money. They go to heaven because they have been faithful to the Lord. What does that mean? To be faithful to God means you believe his promises. You don't live a life on the basis of trying to do good works or spending your money correctly to have a higher mansion in heaven. No, to be faithful means you believe his promise. What promise did the two who doubled his money believe in? That he would return. In fact, this applies, this particular parable in Matthew 25, right before Matthew 26 and the plot to kill Jesus. So, what you have is that Jesus is going to be betrayed by Judas, go to the cross, and die. But he promises disciples that he will return. We are like the disciples today. Do we live a life in anticipation of Jesus returning, or do we do our works? Out of self-interest. What's in it for me? It's not that works save you. It's that through faith, your works are those which show love to your God. Whether you make five more talents, two more talents, that doesn't matter. What God is looking at is whether or not you are faithful in believing in fact, remember what the next parable is in that same chapter. It's the sheep and the goats. And there again, you got a problem that needs to be reversed. Because when God tells the sheep that they're going to go to heaven, he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you redeemed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, upon superficial reading, that sounds like a person is saved because of his works. That would be a wrong analysis. You instead look at the verses before this. And it says, to the sheep, the king will say to those, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, what do you do to inherit the kingdom of God? You don't do anything. It's a gift. In other words, an analogy to this parable would be there's a person who dies and he leaves money, say, to a waitress at a restaurant because each morning he would go in there for breakfast and she served him faithfully and was very helpful to him. He so appreciated what she did that he left money in his will for her. Now, are we going to say that she inherited something because she did such good work? No, she inherited something because the person that she served recognized her as being faithful to his needs. Similarly, We know this is true in this previous parable because what happens to the person who hid the talent in the ground? Here's what he says. Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours, and the master he answers him, "You wicked and slothful servant and then the next sentence has a question mark after it. Now, there are no question marks in the original Greek, but it's clear that this is a question where he says, "You wicked and faithful." Slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I am not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? See, that's a question mark because that is the image that the wicked servant had concerning his master. What does that mean? The wicked servant portrayed his master as the devil. As Satan himself, because it is Satan who ends up reaping where he has not sown and gathering where he scattered no seed as he brings unbelievers into his kingdom. This parable is really about being faithful to the Lord, it's kind of like children when their parents die and they're left a will they're not left a will because they were so good no children are but because they have a relationship with the parents and a relationship where the parents were only willing to give them something in the will so they're not getting something in the will because of their works Because of their relationship. That's why both those who double the money are considered faithful. Therefore, you are going to heaven not because of how you have dealt with money here on earth. The one who double the money, either five talents or two talents, both of them are living in mansions both of them are in bliss beyond compare. And this parable is very clear that it is the faithfulness, the trust in the promise of the master that he would return. So we Christians, we know Jesus is going to return. And therefore, we are good to those who have need for us as Jesus says in the next paragraph. As long as you did it to the one of least of these my brothers, you did it to me. On Monday's Law and Gospel, we're gonna be taking a look at one of the readings for the following Sunday. And once more, we're going to be looking at it from a Law and Gospel point of view. Also, please listen carefully How you can contribute to law and gospel. This follows right now, and we would appreciate any contributions. God bless you.
1: Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9:30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, PO Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.